What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of SSPN. And I'm just going to say right off the bat, this may not be our longest podcast of all time because, mm. you know, we're, we're we're in the trenches now, Ethan, whenever it comes to the Spurs news. Like, we had everything go right for us this offseason, but at mm. the end of the day, this time was coming. The in-between yes. of training camp, which is starts, I think, late September. The, the preseason starts the beginning of mm-hmm. October. Uh, and basically right now, where we have the Summer League Championship tonight, but it's over for our beloved Spurs. And even last night in the Spurs win, which it was good to see that the Spurs finished out Vegas Summer League with a winning record and a 5-2 and two overall record, if you want to count the two California Classic games. Um, the stars of the show last night were C.D. Sissoko and Sir Jabari Rice, who we're going to get into and both had good games, made winning plays, which and, and were the two players that probably had the most impact on the win. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, Ethan, as you can see, the the talking points, all the big storylines that we were talking about in the offseason, free agency, the draft, all that stuff is behind us. And now we're really moving in to, you know, the nitty gritty of the offseason, which a lot of people, you know, you can hear your dogs barking right now. They're mad about it uh, because for a lot of basketball fans, Ethan, this time of the year honestly becomes football season. Yeah, absolutely. And we are about to hit the uh, classic purgatory state like you were talking about. So we appreciate anybody that is in here and watching Spurs content because we know it's going to get rough for a while. Um Sorry, dude. I was really distracted by the dog barking. I don't know what you said. <laughs> no, you're 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 completely good. You were actually responding right to was my there, question. Was I right? Okay, yes. cool. <laughs> it was it was basically just talking about how, like you said, it, it's it's Spurs purgatory time, and mm-hmm. um, you know, there, there's not a lot of stuff to talk about. I said this is what I said. I said that this is when a lot of basketball fans become it, it's football season for them, if you will. And for those of you guys not in America, I think y'all get what I'm talking about. You know, American football is about to start. So this is kind of when people start thinking about that in the beginning of August um, and kind of tune out of basketball until the preseason gets started again in October. Obviously, there's still the super fans, which are the people here with us today, Ethan. Um but we're going to be with you, and we're still going to be with you through this <laughs> through this trying time, if yes. you will. But let's jump into some Spurs talk with all that housekeeping out of the way, Ethan. Uh, the last live that we did was right before the Spurs game against the Detroit Pistons this past Friday. So we're going to talk about that one um, since we didn't get to talk about it. Uh, another another solid performance from Dominic Barlow with 19 and 11. You can talk about getting dunked on by Asar Thompson, but the next play, he went down the court and got a mid-range bucket to basically erase it. I know it doesn't erase the momentum, but it does erase it on the scoreboard. And still, uh, another consistent game from him. You had 10 from Blake Wesley, not the greatest shooting night of all time, but did have eight boards. <laughs> I just looked at the shooting numbers. I didn't even realize it was that bad watching the game. Yeah, three for 17. Um, so, you know, unfortunately for Blake, still kind of trying to work on that 0 for 3 from 3 as well. But we got to see Serge Abari Rice's debut. He had 11 points, a block, uh, three steals in his debut, as well as an assist and two boards. Um, and yeah, he was the second leading scorer. Other than that, it was Blake who, who didn't have the greatest shooting game. And then C.D. Sissoko kind of had another similar C.D. game. He, he had his best game of summer league to end it off in the game against the Thunder. Uh, but in this one, was able to get um, five boards, two assists, a steal, and a block, and six points. Kind of what we've seen from him so far. It, it was really Dominic Barlow leading the show in this one, going head-to-head uh, with Asar Thompson, his former overtime elite mate, if you will. Um, and the Spurs weren't able to get the dub in this one, but I, I still didn't think 
this was a horrible game. I know you're going to look at Blake and not think that it was the greatest, um, but from what I saw from Serge Ibari in his debut, and then the consistency from Barlow continuing without, you know, Champagny, um, Malachi, and then Wembenyama on the court uh, was also a good thing to see. Yeah, Barlow was by far and away the brightest light on the court against the Pistons, 19 points, 11 boards, continuing with efficient scoring and high-energy play offensively and defensively, being a rim protector, a rim runner, and then surprising us every time he decides to, you know, jab, step, jab, step, pull up from 16 feet. I I love that jump shot. It's going to be there every single time for him. Um, Blake, the shooting woes, I'm not worried about the shooting woes. I mean, he can score when he needs to. It's just a you know an off game. I'm, we can't underestimate chemistry being a difficulty. You can't take away Champagny, Wemby, and Malachi, three guys that were extremely important. Champagny was probably the most important because of the continuity factor. He played from game one all the way until the Detroit game, and he was you know effective not only as a scorer but as a, a facilitator and, and as a defender. So that has to be a component as to why he played so poorly. The, the most um, concerning stat for Blake is that he only had one assist and he was the primary ball handler the entire game. Yeah. You would hope that that wouldn't be the case closer to that five or more even. Cause you know, when you're, when you're a ball dominant guard, like he needs to be, you should be getting into that range. So for him to only have one, that is a little concerning. I didn't watch the entire game. I only watched the first half and then the highlights of the second half. So I don't know exactly why that was the case. It could just boil down to chemistry. It could also boil down to it's summer league. And usually there's not that many plays being run. There's not a lot of um, organization to the offense. It's really just kind of glorified AAU. But you hit the nail on the head. What we saw from Barlow and what we saw from Serge Ibari, very nice. Let's hope that that stays the same. Serge Ibari is um, – high IQ player with a lot of skills. He's a little small, obviously, but uh, to come in immediately and have the impact that he did was, was definitely something great to see. And hopefully he can continue that in Austin. Yeah, definitely. Um, just going back to, to what you were talking about there a little bit with Blake though, I guess what I would say is, and I think that's a valid point, you know, like the Malachi, his guys not being there, the lack of chemistry, but at the same time, in a second-year player, especially when it comes to Blake's situation, it's almost like this is the opportunity that you'd like yeah. to see him take advantage. Um, and when we go back to the Pistons game, well, excuse me, that what that was the Pistons, was game, the Pistons when, game. Yeah, when he shot, and that was that was his last game as well too. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, you just that that's the, like I said, the flip side is that that would be the opportunity with Malachi and Champagne off the court to maybe you know show off your mid range jumper a little bit, show how you can be a twenty point scorer, you know, in this situation. But at the same time, what you said, you know, it, it's it, it's not you know one or the other; it's a mixture of both. It's a little bit that the chemistry was there; he probably should have played better than he did, but there was still there was still an impact, you know, not having those guys on the floor as well. And also, I don't know how often Asar Thompson was guarding him, but that dude's locked down. So if he was, if he was, that's a good point. Star, that, that's a difficult matchup, especially when you're really the only guy that can create a shot offensively. Yeah, I I don't know that for a fact. I'd have to go back and watch the tape. But when you think about it, it feels like that's who Asar Thompson would be guarding. He did have 14 boards. He was in the paint a lot. Um, but he really, other than that, other than that dunk that he had on Barlow, I don't remember seeing him. Um, 
matched up with him too much. Now I say that, and I'm remembering in my head a little bit after that, there were some back and forth, especially with them knowing each other, both being from overtime elite. But like, other than that little stretch in the game, it it wasn't like he was going one-on-one with Barlow for rebounds. You know what I'm saying? So I I believe with his perimeter defense that they would have put him on Blake because Blake was the best perimeter scorer, uh, at least on the summer league team, you know, that game coming into the game. If you know, put it in the comments. Educate us. Yes, please. We try to keep track of of everything here, but we can't keep track of everything. (laughs) It's a lot. (laughs) But moving on to the second game, Ethan, where the Mm. Spurs bounced back and got a 98-94 to win, which I watched the full thing last night. Um, I actually wasn't expecting to. I was like, I'm going to turn this on, watch it for a little bit. We'll see what happens. But I ended up watching the full thing. It was probably because it was the last Spurs game that we're going to get until October. Um, And I got to see a lot of Serge Ibari Rice and and, and C.D. Sissoko in that game. (laughs) And I also got to see see a lot of the rest of the roster, uh, like Javante McCoy, Eric Stevenson, (laughs) Betty Ako. Let me see. I got to see 10 minutes of Justin Kier. We had not seen that all year. And 12 minutes of Sean D. Brown. I mean, I could go down. Everybody played. Everybody played yeah. tonight. I don't even remember. I remember Logan Johnson. I do not remember Justin Gorham's eight minutes. I apologize. Um, but that I watched I watched everybody is the point here, Ethan. And and the good news is, is that C.D. Sissoko had, had his best game as a spur. Um, obviously still just summer league, um, but had eight boards, six assists, two blocks, and 10 points um, with just uh, one foul as well. That's probably his lowest foul game wow. all summer league. Um, so not only was it a near t- triple-double, but you saw the fouls, which have kind of been consistent with him throughout mm-hmm. summer league, uh, have his, you know, dissipate in a sense, at least in this game. Um, it it kind of ties into what you said the last time we talked, Ethan. You said you hope that CD's a guy who just goes out there and gets 5-5-5. Five, five, and five. This was basically just the better version of that in the context yeah. of summer league. For sure. I mean, this was his moment. We talked about Blake and the Pistons game. Like he was really the only guy out there that's going to have like a future with the San Antonio Spurs. Like no disrespect to the other dudes. Serge Ibari maybe a little bit, but but CD Sissoko, to our knowledge, is, you know, a role player moving forward. So for him to come out and have 10, 6 and 8 like he did on efficient scoring 60 percent while keeping himself under control defensively. It's exactly what we what we needed from CD. And we finally got the win. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you talked about Serge Abari Rice, touched on him a little bit. I, you know, from these first two games that I've watched, dude, I'm just so glad we brought him in on the two way. Like you said, you know, he's a little skinny right now. He's going to have to put on some weight. Um, but, you know, dude, when I was watching the summer league, I know it's just summer league. And, and this is more of a comparison age wise and like journey wise than whenever it comes to play style, although they are both six, four and it'll kind of be combo guards. Um, it reminds me of Derek White. I know that's going to sound crazy because Derek White was a first-round pick. But remember, Derek White was 23 years old when he came in to the Spurs. Javante McCoy is 24 years old and had a crazy journey in college. A lot of it had to do with COVID. Um, I believe he was at New Mexico before Texas. And I believe he was at somewhere else, maybe even like a JUCO before New Mexico. I'm, I'm going to Google that to confirm it as of right now. Obviously, you mean I'm... Part, right? Yes, yes. Okay, Serge you said Javante McCoy. Oh my so gosh, I, I did I really? Yeah, Thank I you so check. much. You're <laughs> I can't believe myself for that one. Okay, oh, no, so played at New Mexico State. Excuse me, not New Mexico. New Mexico State didn't play anywhere before then. I got that wrong. Um, 
but was originally from Missouri City, Texas. And so played four years there because of the COVID year, was able to go play, you know, at Texas, which I assume was his dream school, um, his final year. And we saw him show out this season um, whenever it came to March Madness, had some big games there and some other big games throughout the seasons for them. Because this was his one year at Texas and he came in and was immediately uh, a starter and a key player for them. Um so to see his journey kind of from mid-major to D1 because of the COVID year and then getting picked up on this two-way opportunity, it's obviously different than Derek White, but it's similar in the sense that he didn't have the traditional NBA journey. He's older coming in. He's a combo guard, but he was somebody on the first game, Ethan. He was like telling people where to go in the offensive set, like his first time facilitating. That's somebody who's experienced and has a high basketball IQ. I don't care what the situation is. You didn't see that from, from Malachi Branham or Blake Wesley last year. That's not me saying that Serge Ibari is going to be more talented or better than either of those guys, but that's mm-hmm. just an example of how him coming in at the age that he is with the experience he has is something is one, it matters, but two, it's something that's uncommon. Um, and, and obviously a lot of that has to do with his age, but it's even uncommon in the sense that it's uncommon for the Spurs. Like you just don't usually see a guy coming in and like telling people where to go on offense in their first summer league possession, regardless of who it is. And I, like I said, the context is still key. He's not going to, I'm not saying he's going to be, you know, a superstar moving forward, but he's someone who brings a lot of skills and a lot of traits that just fit the Spurs. He was diving for loose balls. He's a good shooter. He he created a couple times off the dribble as well on pull-ups. Um, and one of the things that the three things I was talking about, Ethan, when we came in or before the last game that we were about to watch on the live was I wanted to see his shooting and how that translated. That's that looked pretty solid. His ball handling. It looked better than I expected. I was not expecting him to really be facilitating in the sense that he was. I was expecting him to be more of a catch and shoot guy. And then defensively, he looked a lot better than than I thought as well, I believe. He had some steals. Yeah, he had three steals in that debut against the Pistons. Um, and he had four steals in, in the game against the Thunder. Um, so definitely the facilitation ability and the defense, granted it's still summer league, um, impressed me. Yeah, I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth. The, the, the most impressive thing for me was his high IQ, his leadership ability coming in, like you said, like a general immediately. Um, he's a smooth operator. He stays calm under pressure. We saw that when he got kind of trapped in the corner there and he just stayed calm, a couple pump fakes, one dribble pull-up, baseline, 16-footer, cash. Smooth jump shot. I think he shot 20% from three in the first game and 17% from three in the second game. So I and only two games, small sample size. We saw what he could do at UT, obviously. So I'm sure that will improve once he gets to Austin. Um, but not a lot of flaws. And, and the most impressive thing for me, Jude, is – two completely different personnel groups that he was playing with in both games. Yeah. And pretty much the same consistent performance and stat line across both. That's a high IQ player. That's an intelligent guy that shows his age. He's not a 19 year old. He's what? 22, 23, 24, 24. I mean, because of the COVID year, remember? Yeah, that's right. He's 24 years old. So obviously those are things that he comes in with experience and expertise. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, and just another thing, I'm on his Wikipedia page right now. I didn't know this. To, to, to add on to the Derek comparison, he committed to play college basketball for New Mexico State. And this was after, like I said, he played at Missouri City in Texas at Thurgood Marshall High School. And he was a part of a, a Class 5A state title game. Um, mm. So, you know, pretty big time basketball, not 6A, but still you know, a, a place with a lot of eyes on it for sure. Um, and his only two scholarships coming out of high school were New Mexico State and UMass. Those were the only two D1 scholarships. So wow. someone who's kind of been slept on a little bit had to work his way in those four years to finally get the opportunity at his dream school. And, and now he's getting to play for another team in Texas. So um, just a just a good feel good story there for Serge Ibari. The nice thing for him is there's really nobody in his way when he gets to Austin. Because the other yeah. two guys that will be watching and like catering to in Austin are bigs. It's or CD Sissoko and um, Barlow. So Barlow, Barlow, and they don't play his position, so that will allow him to really take the opportunity with both hands. Big three, big three big in three Austin. Right. Big three is right. <laughs> the Lob, Lob City Austin Spurs. And you know, I wonder if we can get some more fans, uh, some Longhorn fans, out to some games to go For catch sure. them, just to just to get the vibes up in the HEB Center. Me, me and my girlfriend will probably have to go check out a game. She, you know, she remembers Serge Ibari from last season. She's Link up with my fan. boy, Dave. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. All righty, man. Well, hey, on top of the summer league games that we've missed, we've got some new additions. And we've also and got it. We've got a, we've got <laughs> oh, a tragic. Oh, I took it away. We've got a tragic loss, Ethan. You know. <laughs> It's, it's okay. No, it's it's okay. It's fine because we got the video out. We got Lamar Stevens in the thumbnail when he was a Spur. But now he's not anymore as the Spurs announced today that they're waving Lamar Stevens. I'm sure because they're bringing in campaign. And, you know, if we want to really dive into kind of what we saw in Summer League, um, and, and a lot of this depends on who plays point guard. We've t texted about this. If Jeremy Sohan plays point guard, then there's probably not a way on the court for campaign minus injuries, um, at least in the rotation, I mean. Um, but if Sohan is not playing point guard, with Blake still having some work to do, probably needing another year in the G League, um, or at least splitting time between the NBA and the G League before becoming a full rotational piece, you know, campaign could be the backup point guard to trey jones if if trey jones ends up being the starter like i said a lot of that depends on what pop does with the lineups and i feel like my confidence has only been raised that Wembenyama is not going to play the four um but maybe they surprise us and move a jeremy sohan or a keldon johnson to the bench as a lot of people have speculated i don't think that that's going to be the case but Really, we could sit here and speculate and talk about what I think or what you think, but we're not going to find out until training camp. But I think there's a reason that they cut Lamar Stevens to allow a chance to have campaign um, on the roster because of Blake still needing that work in progression. And in our last video that we did, Ethan, we talked about the two guys out of that group that were most likely to get on the roster. It was Shetty Osman and Reggie Bullock. So if one guy was going to go out of that group, as much as I said, and I still stand by this, I liked Lamar Stevens's highlights. You know, I thought it, he was much better than I expected after going and watching him after just hearing his name. Um, it still seems like, this was this was the when you have those three forwards and you're in the situation the Spurs are in where you have already got a lot of other young wings, uh, you bring in Shetty and Reggie. Yeah, it, it felt inevitable as much as we liked him, as much as he kind of fit the timeline. It's just the other two guys are, were much better at this point in their careers, especially yeah. as a fit with the Spurs. Um, 
rotationally, I have no idea what's going to be. I don't even want to guess what it's going to be. I, I don't think we will know until October exactly. 4th or whatever the first preseason game is when Pop rolls out the starters. You're like, oh, okay, so this is what it is. That's when we will know. Um, a lot of people have a lot of different opinions. Some people right. think campaign should start at point guard. I saw that on Twitter yesterday and today. I don't think that's going to happen. I think it'll be between <laughs> Trey or Jeremy. Um, but I like Cameron Payne. I mean, we basically swapped a second and then added campaign and cash. So and and I, got a pick swap, an unprotected pick swap in 2030. There we go. I mean, we basically fleeced him. And we both agreed, and I'm like, I think a lot of our commenters agreed that we needed to bring in or we wanted to bring in a veteran point guard presence. We flirted with the idea of Chris Paul when he was available. We flirted with the idea of bringing back Georgie uh, on a minimum contract. But we got Cameron Payne. And I think he does a lot of the same things that both of those players would have done, primarily leadership. Um, but also he's still a viable option. I mean, if you watched Phoenix last year, he was an important piece to their playoff run. He's gotten uh, reps in, in multiple different, since Phoenix has been playoff relevant, he yes. has been a part, he's been their bench point guard. And that's yep. not saying he's perfect, but for a young Spurs team that's trying to build into a contender, there's a lot of value, a lot of knowledge and a lot of experience that, mm-hmm. that he can bring, um, to this team. But the interesting thing is Devontae Graham's still on the roster. He is. He is. <laughs> That's how I'm forgetting about that. So, um, but he could also just end up being the third string guy. It's all going to depend on on what they do with the rotations. I would take campaign. I don't think this is going out on a limb or anything. No, you're but I would not. Take you're campaign not. over Devontae at the backup point. Because <laughs> I was watching a lot of campaign highlights today. I know it's something that's kind of funny to say. There weren't that many videos out there. So if you like making highlight videos and you want to be unique, go make a campaign highlight video. Anyway, campaign, he's a really solid player in the pick and roll. Like as far as finding bigs running to the rim and finding the open guy on the weak side corner, he's got some vision there. And there were times, I know Chris Paul's like 39 years old, but there were times last year and even the year prior that they chose to play campaign in crutch time over Chris Paul because he just was more of a viable option. He had better legs. He was, you know, whatever the case may be, they thought he, they Monty Williams thought he was a better option than Chris Paul, who's a hall of famer. So I think he can bring a lot to our team um, to sum up. I'm excited to have him on the squad. He answers a definite need for us at that backup point guard spot. Yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to just look up, campaign's shooting percentage as of last year um he's got a weird jump shot but it yes. goes in. that's that's exactly what i was trying to figure. yeah it's actually um oh no it's not as well 37 percent, 37 percent. so good. not that's pretty that's around kind of i didn't think that's it was world beating average. but i also thought he was a pretty solid shooter um yeah and yeah i had that image kind of of the lefty jump shot in my head too but most of the times all lefties lefties can shoot regardless of how the shot looks um so yeah i mean there's not really too much else to say on campaign he will most likely if he makes the roster compete for a backup point guard role what a what a riveting thought there ethan and ground we have injuries (laughs) no okay but that that's That's actually a (laughs) that that is that is a legitimate that's a great point um but in order to get rid of campaign we cut lamar stevens Mm, which we already talked about, but you know, he's just, I think he's worth a second mention. Uh, agreed. Agreed. And, and I, on a serious note, like legitimately, I forgot to say campaigns also. And then another, I think it's our sixth or seventh expiring contract. 
Yes. Yeah. The yeah. So. There's a lot of expiring contracts, a lot of second round picks um, that we've got. I mean, just just a ton of assets that the Spurs have continually built up. I believe we had a comment on our last video um, kind of talking. Somebody said they felt like we gave up too much for Reggie because um, we gave up like three second round picks and yeah. we ended up getting a, a pick swap out of that or just one pick what i would say to that is we can't use all these second round picks like the reason we had to cut lamar is because our roster is already we were over the training camp limit like most of the time teams don't even get to that point like so we just only have so many roster spots and like we're not going to use all of those second round picks so we got to trade them for something and i believe even though that was a different deal i believe it was a first round pick down the line that we got and at the end of the day, I'd, I'd rather have a first-round pick than three seconds. That's what I was going to say. It's not just a pick swap. This is an unprotected first from Dallas in 2030. Yeah. And by that point, they might not have Luka Doncic. Like, Dallas could yeah. implode by that point. So it could be a lottery pick. Yeah. And and at the end of the day, too, like, while you're, you're still going to have your Jokic's and your Tony's and your Manu's that you'll find in the second round, it's just, like I said, I the, the, the first round pick is just a higher value, too, like, regardless of where it is. On, but even, and then when you add it in, it's even better, like you said. And Reggie Bullock. I like Reggie yeah, Bullock. Yeah, me too. And we might flip him for three seconds. He's probably worth right. three seconds to get them all back. Dude, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, so many of these guys. I mean, even a Shetty Osmond, if we could get four second round picks for Jay Rich who didn't even really play for them and then went back to Miami. I'm happy for him to be back in Miami, by the uh, way. Me too. I'm really happy about that. And like with the loss of Gabe Vincent, I think it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of a good, like they needed that as well. Um, mm-hmm. But regardless, regardless of Jay Rich, much love to him. We'll always mm-hmm. love Jay Rich for his time in SA. Um, I'm completely blanking on my train of thought here, Ethan, but I know we're getting to the end of the episode. That was kind of the point. Yeah. But at the, at the trade deadline, we might trade all these guys. <laughs> That's what it was. It was, yeah. if we can get four second round picks for Jay Rich in that situation, I think we could get something for a Doug uh, uh, or a Reggie Bullock or a Devontae Graham per se, um, or even a campaign who was also on an expiring deal. So we'll have to see Ethan. Any final thoughts on campaign and Lamar well, Stevens? <laughs> campaign, welcome to San Antonio. And another guy to start fights with Zach and Jeremy. I love it. <laughs> there, there you go. There you go. Um, the bad news Spurs. Oh, and sorry, one okay. more thing. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna start a petition. I might be the only Spurs fan that thinks this, but I want Doug McDermott to stay with the Spurs for the rest of his career. I don't want to trade with that. him. I want to re-sign him every year if we can and just keep bringing I, him back. I know I just mentioned him, but the reason I did is because we were talking about guys on expiring contract mm-hmm. that we could get, you know, multiple second round picks for, and he was somebody yeah. who came to mind. But I'm one hundred percent with that too. I mean even if like like later first of all later in his career that would be pretty solid because yes he's going to get older but like his shooting's always going to be there so during injuries like you just said that's somebody that you'd love to have on your roster um but on top of that just his his off ball movement like he's just like the perfect player that you want to have around somebody like Victor Wembanyama um so I'm 100 with you Ethan I know that sounds crazy but like you know we're not talking about breaking the bank we're just saying keeping him around for as long as we can Doug McDermott is good on any team facts 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 Ethan any <laughs> final Spurs thoughts before we wrap this one up 
Al Farouk Aminu. See. Lamar Stevens. I'm, mural. Next to Wemby. Yes. No, it Wemby should be around, like those. Yeah. His arms around all of the guys that have only been <laughs> here we've for like got. four days. And yeah. then halos over their head. Yes, and, and he's like hugging them. He's like yeah. making them feel okay. Who's the other one from last year? Or maybe it wasn't last year. That was the year before. Al Farouk. It was somebody else other than Al Farouk. Yeah, you're right. I can't remember his and name. And I can't think of who it is either. But the point is, is that Lamar Stevens, Al Farouk, uh, Donatus Monahunas. Mm, um, good one. Hmm. We'll just go we'll with, Shetty and, with Shetty and Reggie for right now. That's top five Spurs lineup right there. Top five Spurs right there. Amen. All righty, y'all. We hope you guys enjoyed some of the off-season banter that we did in this episode. I'm sure you guys are, are having a lot of the same vibes as we are. But if you enjoyed today's content, don't forget to hit that like button and that subscribe button below. We appreciate you guys for 1.5K subscribers. We're up to 1.52 now. We appreciate all the support as always. And if you want to stay updated with the show, be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at SSPN on YT, at Jude McLaren, and at Ethan underscore Quintero are your sources to stay updated with all things SSPN. Go Spurs, go y'all. We'll catch y'all in the next one. Peace.